Welcome, friends, to Game Master's Studio, where we talk shop about running tabletop role-playing games. With us today is Jared and Ed, with your host, Jerry. Hello, and welcome to Game Master's Studio, where we give you uh, tips and tricks for your tabletop games, how to spice things up, that sort of thing. Uh, in the studio today, we have me, Ed, the funny one. We have uh, DMF, proprietor of Mad Doc Designs, creator of the World of Wrath, and Jerry. Hey, you forgot to mention what the topic's actually going to be. I was getting to that. Topic today is changing things up, which is why I'm doing the awesomest intro you guys have ever heard. We're doing changing things up and uh, sharing the load. Exactly, sharing the load. Thought would give Jerry just a little bit of, bre- of a break from having to uh, watch the clock all the time, though uh, you might still want to keep an eye on that. It's I'm not exactly used to it. Yeah, I probably will. Yeah, good idea. Yeah, so anything, anyway, what we're talking about today is changing things up and sharing the load uh, as a GM. Uh, we're going to go over a number of different uh, uh, ideas on these uh, phrases, but the basic thing we're talking about is um, uh, if you are a dedicated GM, um, you, there may be times where you want to play, so you might want someone else to step in and run a session for you. Uh, sharing the load, you might be willing to do, say, an assistant GM, maybe you have a a story idea, something along those lines that you want to do, but maybe you don't know the rules as well, or you kind of want someone to sort of assist you in that role. Uh, so those are the topics we're going to be going over today, plus uh, certainly a bunch more. Uh, so yeah, uh, uh, changing things up. I think it's really important to help keep things lively at the table by mixing mm-hmm. it up, not only for cycling out GMs occasionally to help the GM that's at the table refresh, but also the players to get to try something different, not only in what they're playing, but also in the role that they help fulfill as the the players and not necessarily the characters. Right. You know, give somebody different a chance to lead or somebody else to, to kind of to, to make those choices or assist the party in a way that they haven't gotten a chance to try out before. Mm-hmm. It sucks having to be the healer all the time. Yeah, and in the same manner, it sometimes also sucks to have to be always be the big guy or the smart guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I do... Yeah. I spent a long run as, you know, stereotypically being the smart guy, the planner, the, the tricksy rogue type character, and we started running a second session or parallel with a separate campaign and like okay you i was the first one joining so like make whatever character you want everybody else will make something else that's always rough and i started and i'm like you know what i'm playing a big dumb muscle because i don't want to be the smart guy i don't want to be coming up with the plans i want to be the one just tell me what to hit and i'll hit it right i say that's always rough because every time i'm sort of in that situation where we're doing a new game and everyone says just make what you want play whatever you want I'll come up with an idea and maybe I'll be the big, you know, the big dumb one or I'll be the smart planner or, you know, I'll have a certain skill set. And I always, I always, uh, without, uh, um, without fail, there's someone else who builds the exact same thing. They do it maybe a different route. Maybe I'm the, you know, uh, the fighter with a two-handed weapon in full plate, but in you know my stats are all about going around bashing things. But then someone brings in the barbarian with a two-handed weapon, 
who goes around bashing things and, you know... And doesn't wear armor, but still has a better AC than you do. Yeah, and both of your concepts really are, I'm a brute. Yeah. And that's that's it. And it's just like, well, okay, well, that's no fun. Now, now there's someone essentially stepping on my toes, or I'm stepping on their toes. Although we, we did talk about the how the differences in group sizes can affect the game. That was yes. one of that was one of our really early episodes. Yeah, big groups that's going to happen. Yeah. But in big groups you can really have that where it's like, okay, you're the big guy, you're a big guy, I'm a big guy. We can with there's room enough for two of us in the party. Yeah, if it's a smaller or a medium-sized group, I kind of consider that the on the DM or GM's plate to make sure and try to orchestrate like you I if you're one of the first one or two people to make a character, by all means, make whatever you want. But then it's like, okay, well, I want you to play something that you're going to enjoy, but we need this, 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 this. Right. We already have this and this. And while I'm not telling you what to make, I'm pointing you in the right direction. Exactly. And now you are going to have players who really like playing a certain type. My my favorite thing to play is a melee character or, you know, either fighter or rogue. I, I enjoy that. I, I do switch it up because you have to. That's part of playing the game is you should switch it up to have the fun. Um, but sometimes you're going to come across that where you have the, the person who keeps basically playing the same character. How do you deal with that? That's actually a, a nice encouragement for any players that might be listening is if you do look at it and recognize that you have a favorite type, try playing something different. Yep. Um, last game that we played, you were the necromancer. Yeah, right? I was a wizard. Yeah. And that was just completely different from what you usually play mm -hmm. and I th it seemed like you had a lot of fun with it i did uh, did yes. you expect to have that much fun going in i hoped i would you know and i mean i, th I, I thought so i knew it was going to be a little challenge i actually have a bad history when it comes to playing wizards so i don't play them very often uh i think i got into that history sometime before but basically uh in a very complex system i i built uh, a very complex wizard with a lot of specialties and, and whatnot and then the gm said well we're not doing it I was like, oh, actually, before he did that, he actually cut the point. It was a point-based system. He cut it in half twice. So I worked on it yeah, big time. And he's like, all right, we're going to cut the points in half. So I'm like, oh, no. So then I have to go retool it. And then he did it again. And then I did fixed everything. And then he said, sorry, I'm not running the game. Yeah, I, th I think we. I think one of the earlier episodes. I don't remember which one, but I think we did have that yeah. the full story in much more detail because yeah. as, as you got into it, it sounded familiar. But I didn't want to cut you off. No, no, no. And, and so it's you know some people are going to have those uh, I guess bad stories with certain classes or maybe just classes they prefer or prefer not to play. But I think as a GM, you really want to encourage uh, getting your players to change things up. And one way you can do that. And D&D, actually, the, the, the old core rules were you rolled your stats down the line and you played what your stats said you'd, you'd played. Now, I'm not saying you necessarily do that for your you know, ongoing campaign, but you could do a, you know, a one-off here or a short adventure there, and you say, okay, you're going to play what you roll. You know? Yeah, now, and you roll horribly in everything but Constitution. So I think, yeah, that's, that's a great idea. You know, also, if you've ever talked to your players and they have expressed any sort of like oh i thought what i thought what ed was doing last game was really kind of cool next time it comes up like hey you're the first one to make a choice you said you liked what ed was doing would you like a little help on making something similar to that see how you get, like it um i've worked with a game with some new players 
before and they were kind of complaining of almost to the point about how oh, my character was doing all this cool stuff I'm like well i'm putting my character in those situations because i know the game well enough to identify my character's strengths and see where they're going to shine right. and give them a little bit of tips on like well here's what you could do you know to kind of to kind of work this out kind of game the system a little bit and the next game we played one of those players almost tried to rebuild the character i had <laughs> because they liked the idea but they put their own twists on it yeah, I actually have that going on in the game that I'm in now. I played a Dwarven Life Cleric in 5th edition, uh, Hill Dwarf. So, you know, full-on tank, tons of hit points, you know, uh, was able to keep the party alive, you know, pretty much the entire time. Uh, you know, there was one or two mishaps, but, you know, more often than not was fine. Uh, you know, threw himself into melee because he could, you know, wasn't, wasn't half bad at it, wasn't great at it, wasn't half bad at it. And now we're playing a new game, and the actually the GM for that game decided he was going to build that almost the very same deal, except I believe he's a a human, but he's still a, he's still a life cleric, so he's he's playing basically the same way, and uh, it's interesting because he's actually he he is doing it fairly well. But I've also had that situation where I played a character, and then a a player decided, well, I'm going to sort of play that same thing, and they just. They just did it so poorly. But no, and in this one, it's, it's pretty funny to see him going around doing that. And I almost want to like, like as he's doing his actions, I almost want to be like, and don't forget to do this. And then, but before I say anything, he's like, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm like, yes. <laughs> yeah, hill dwarf clerics, you can't kill those guys. Oh, I've tried. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, no, uh, the character did die uh, uh, in over, it was a little bit of an overpowered villain that we eventually fought. He did power word kill. Well, there you go. So I'm, I was dead. I had less than 100 hit points, so I just died. <laughs> I believe that's how that went. But uh, anyway, so changing things up, definitely you want to try to get your players to change up their role from time to time. I think I think as a DM, even if you're still running, you can change it up as well. Right. If you're always doing fantasy hack and slash, try maybe I'm going to run a superhero game. Exactly. Or we're going to do Western adventure, or I'm going to do a Cthulhu mystery. Yeah. You know, challenge yourself, reach outside the box, which will also mean when you come back to fantasy hack and slash, okay, we're going to do a, f a fantasy hack and slash, but we're going to have some Cthulhu mythos in there as well to kind of spice it up a little. Sure. Or we're doing a superhero game in which there's this fantasy, like, monster-based villain, and you know that from doing all the D&D &D fantasy stuff and how to make a cool villain for a superhero game with that, yeah. that theme. So you could so you you could change up the theme of your existing game or you could put your existing game on pause and and run a, a, a totally new game either in the same system with some advance uh, some changes or a completely different system is really what you're saying. There's a lot of different ways to change up what you're doing. Maybe you're doing an action adventure, maybe you want to go to mystery or or something, you know, or you want to go superheroes but you decide, well, I'll just I could I could do a mini story in my D and D game where I make these guys essentially superheroes, and I do a superhero session for two or three sessions. You could do that, or say, screw it, uh, guys, we're going to put this on pause. I got a really cool idea. Or when you get to a stopping point, you know, I'm going to uh, bring in I don't know, Heroes Unlimited or uh, Mutants and Masterminds was another superhero system out there. I'm pretty sure Marvel has their own system. Yep, Marvel's got a couple of them. My favorite class is Wizard. I haven't played a wizard in so long. 
<laughs> he's back on favorite classes. Uh, uh, Which is also funny because when he says he hasn't played a wizard in so long, I can go back through his characters over several years, and the, I think every single one of them at least used magic in some way. Yes, but not a wizard. A wizard. Yes. Hey, I had an assassin, which in 3.5, they have spells. So yeah, uh, definitely a lot of a lot of groups do like the sort of full campaign mode where you start a campaign and you go through it and it's sort of a, a longer deal. It can take some time. Some campaigns, you know, will go months up to a year. Some will go even longer than that. I know, Jerry, I believe you said your... Uh, World of Darkness campaign that you were in lasted a couple of years. Uh, right? I think it was three to four years of playing every single weekend. Yeah, yeah. So those those lengthy campaigns are out there, of course, and you can do those. But sometimes you won't maybe want to take a break or do something different. Uh, maybe you're in a group where we have a number of GMs. So instead of that, you decide. Well, you can decide one of two things, uh, and this is where changing it up or sharing the load comes in. You could change up who's running. And you could do it a couple of different ways. Uh, one way, uh, Jared, I know you'd mentioned this, is maybe having alternating DMs. Yeah, you can switch it up. Um, yeah, I was saying you can do, I mean, for sharing the load, I was saying, you know, you can do an assistant DM. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you have, like, someone that's going to sit there and basically kind of be, like, your built-in rules lawyer. Someone that's just kind of, like, literally just assisting you, like a teacher's assistant almost oh, sure. kind of deal. Or, you know, and they can help you run combats. Hey, you run the Minotaurs, I'll run the Goblins, or you run everything, you know, oh, you run all the bad guys, and I'm just going to, you know, narrate the combat kind of deal. You know, you can literally, like, literally split your load and, and take a lot of, a big burden off yourself, especially if you're dealing with a large group, because then you'll have someone that's going to help you keep everyone on track. That's also, the assistant DM role is also a good way to get somebody involved who thinks they want to DM, but yeah. they've... You know, they, they're like, I want to do this. I kind of have some ideas. I listen to the Game Master Studio podcast on adv advice for aspiring GMs. But I'm not quite ready to sit down in the chair yet. Right, yeah. Give them a chance to get a taste of that yeah, without DM necessarily having to dive into the deep end of the pool themselves. Yeah, give them some DM training wheels and help you out a little bit. Yeah, and then the other thing, like, you know, like Ed said, was, you know, you can have alternating DMs where either you take turns running the same campaign, like you're both on board with the storyline, or, you, again, you can do what we've done between the three of us is like, okay, we're at a good stopping point, or we finished this adventure with my game, do you want to run something for a little while? Right. Or, or the, the very difficult of okay friday night we're playing this game saturday night it's going to be this campaign sunday is going to be this campaign in a perfect oh, yeah. world that's what it would be but oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm a big actually, gaming nerd if that if that could be my every weekend that would be my every weekend yeah i think i think it, wound up, it was actually friday night is this game saturday during the day is this game during saturday night is a different game sunday is another game <laughs> yeah oh i don't have that now and i'm feeling withdrawal symptoms uh yeah so a couple of different ways you can do it i do sort of like the idea of the the same world or overarching campaign, but you occasionally switch GMs. You know, I'll run an adventure here. Why don't you step in with an adventure? It's kind of cool because we'll it can become to... kind of like a choose-your-own-adventure kind of book. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, like no DM knows exactly where it's going. You know, if you're if you're if you're trading off the same or same campaign between two DMs, and you have that fun experience of of building a shared world. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things with Wrath that. 
I've brought up before that I think is really cool is the fact that I, as a player, had input into things that have now become concrete and solid in the world of Wrath. Because as we played, we made decisions, we impacted the game, we impacted the world, right. and then that gets transcribed into Jared's big Wrath Bible of, you know, this is what's going on in this region. Yeah, there's another concept that I've read about and I think it would be really cool to do if we could get a, a couple more people in on this. I mean, especially since our group already contains three, you know, GMs, typically it would be um, kind of like a duck-duck-goose or trade-off, kind of like every session you switch GMs and you literally just go, like, clockwise oh, around the table kind of thing. You know, like, so, like, I would come up with the first session and I would set everything up and Jerry would just sit there and take notes and go, and this is where we're going to go next session. And you would sit there and take notes and go, and this is where we're going to go the third session. And then other person would go, and this is where we're going fourth session. Other person, this is where we're going fifth session. Now back to Jared for sixth session, then back to Jerry for the seventh session, then back to Ed for the eighth session. And you're literally just making it up as you go and trying to keep your continuity straight, but just trying to bring your own little twist every time you run. I think that would be a really cool exercise. It would keep it really fresh. It could get, it could get bizarre. It could get weird. It might yeah, go places yeah. you never expected. That, that could be a lot of fun. I was going to say that could be really rewarding, but I think also really, really complicated. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, depends. It, it depends on what people do. I mean, because again, all you're trying to do is keep the story going with the, you know, con you know, the right continuity. But you're also, of course, everyone's going to want to put their own little stamp on that, you know, the, you know, their session. So they're going to probably introduce something or or do something bizarre with existing cast of characters or whatever. But it could just be okay. Well, I I introduced you know there's this town and these ghouls are attacking and you guys are all like third level players to start with whatever blah 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 and then Jerry is okay. Well, you go to the cemetery that Jared had already mentioned last time. You fight ex ghouls. Turns out they're not really ghouls. They're just human cannibals. Dun dun dun. Okay, boom. And then Ed comes in. And then Ed comes in and goes, not just are they human cannibals, but they're a cult that has been brewing here. You know, but has been living here in secret for hundreds of years. And tag, you're it. Okay, now okay, blah. You know, and you're just constantly evolving this idea. And session five ends with, and a magical nuke goes off and destroys the town. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, 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 and session six DM is like, nope. Forget it. I'm done. Yeah, exactly. And by the time it gets time back to Rose, you know, because again, in, you know, my hypothetical, there was five of us. So if it, you know six would have brought it back to me, I it might be over. It might not get back to me. In that case, I can start a new one. Right. If we want to keep that idea going for a little while, you know what I mean? Like I think it could be fun if we picked up one or two more people that'd be willing to. And it's a, that's also another great opportunity for training a DM. You only have to run one session every fucking month and a half. I, I, I feel like this is not only you're explaining this, you're also kind of plugging it to us. <laughs> I'm sitting here going, guys, I really do, do like this idea. <laughs> uh, no, but that sounds like a great idea and a great concept for sharing the load. And that's a good example of doing so within the same campaign. Uh, but also you may want to do sort of a rotating GMs where, uh, and I used to do this back in my early gaming days. This was almost the, the, the staple is you'll have someone who's running and they're planning on, at most two months worth of uh, worth of running the game, you know. So they're they're planning up, you know, six to eight sessions, uh, and then you play through them. And the next person on the the and literally there was a list, and the next person on the list is preparing their game for whenever that game is done. And then you just continue going through the list, uh, you know. And they can prepare whatever kind of game they want. So maybe the first person's running D and D. And then the next person says, okay, well, I want to run fantasy, but we just did D&D. &D, so, you know what? I'll do GURPS instead. 
you know, and then uh, someone decides, uh, well, okay, that was all fun. I kind of want to run a superhero game, you know, and then after that, you know, maybe you go back to D&D or a different setting or whatever, what have you. That's pretty much kind of what we do, except we don't have a set number of sessions or a set schedule. Right. We just go, well, okay, it's, well, it's, Jared finished. I want to run one. <laughs> it's not ex it's not a written in stone that it's a set schedule. Like it won't last more than two months. But usually on that, that was the plan yeah. for the GM. Well, eight sessions is a good adventure. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be somewhere around eight sessions. Yeah, I, th I think we actually went back and compiled um, our group that's been running for the past Yeah, because we have the message boards to refer to. So. Yeah, the, mes the message boards and the recaps, and it was our average campaign ran eight and a half sessions. Yeah. Because I remember this, because uh, this got brought up, and Ed was really despondent because he was really enjoying Shadow of the Tower, and we were going to be starting session seven when that information got brought up. <laughs> That's right. And he's like, "No, I want to. I want this to keep going for another couple years." Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, in in uh, in Shadow of the Tower, I was playing essentially not exactly, but essentially the leader of the group and a future king, or at least that was my my goal and things were going pretty well at least was I, th I thought so so i of course i wanted to keep on to that everyone was supporting your idea and your concept no one exactly. was fighting you so we were like you want to be the king let's let him be the king <laughs> so of course that's all that's always fun if it's if it's if somebody it's has born, to be right? put up to be the target that's right <laughs> doesn't mean i can't manipulate his strings from behind the scenes um so we've actually talked a bit about quite a bit about the changing things up as a dm which is the main focus of the podcast. But we were also talking in the pre-show about having different roles for the players. Right. Not the characters, right. which we covered, but the players themselves. Uh, so I'd like to actually take some time to talk about that um, because in changing things up, you can have a player, a player become you know the leader of the group, giving them a chance to get some experience. Exactly. Uh, something we directly dealt with firsthand. Mm -hmm when we actually looked at the characters and we said, well, the most experienced players at the table have characters that would be poor choices for leader of the group. So we asked a newer player if she'd be interested in taking over the leadership role because her character was the most natural choice. Yeah, her, her, her character was in the prime position. And she was, although a newer player, she had, you know, at that point, she'd gotten some experience under her belt. That was like her third adventure she'd played with us, third or fourth. Um, so, I mean, she's got, you know, a little bit of, she's gotten some time under she her belt. Fresh. She yeah. was brand new. Yeah. She went, yeah. She, she still, I think, felt like she was new at yeah, that point. Yeah, she felt like, but also, I mean, even though she had, again, three, four adventures under her belt, most of the people at the table had years of experience. So she still felt very oh, new. I mean, she was, she was certainly a rookie, but she had a few sessions. Yeah. She was saying that, okay, I'm not really sure I know how to play this, but we had one of her friends come in sitting next to her, and she's like, okay, to make your character, you need to do this, this, and this. Yeah. Okay, write down this. This goes here. Yeah. You know, So she knew it. She just didn't right. have the confidence in herself that. And I think the fact that she recruited a friend that sat in on a few sessions and played a little bit, you know, really kind of helped to, you know, boost her, her confidence level. It's like, wait, I'm not new. This person doesn't know anything. I used to be that person. I'm not that person anymore. Yeah. Being <laughs> able to see how far you've come can be a, a yeah. nice boost there yeah. Uh, but yeah we said we said we'd we talked to her we'd like we said we'd like you to actually become leader for the group had to do a little bit of from what i understand like three separate people kind of had like one-on-one -on -one conversations where they're about like no no you should lead yeah i was running the game at the time i actually had like i think close to like a two-hour conversation with her while we were working on you know we were doing some house chores and stuff at the time but like 
literally like two two and a half hours of just like well this is all you really need to do is this basically when it comes down to it like everyone's going to still have their input you know as the leader you're just going to be making the final decision on what path to choose you know everyone's still going to make their proposals you know people you know like these these players are going to support you because they're the experienced players their characters will support you in game they'll support you out of game as players nobody's going to make fun of you yeah you're not going to get picked on there's no such thing as a wrong decision even if you lead the you know the party into it you know a total party kill there's still wasn't a wrong decision you know like because no one knows what a right decision is if there even is a right decision right as the player you have zero idea what the gm has in the next room the next room could be you know uh uh you know some sort of pit that sucks you into an abyss and you just hang there until you're dead you know or it you know could be a dragon could you know could be a a room full of worms that you have to walk over but it's a 10-foot pit and you drown in them you know, it could it could literally be anything. It could yeah. be a pile of unattended treasure. Yeah, like, most exactly. times the leadership position in a and d party especially, most times it really boils down to you can go left, right, or straight. Which way are we going? You know what I mean? Because nine times out of ten, though, the players slash the characters will voice their opinions. You, as a especially if you're a good leader, you will ask for feedback. You will ask for suggestions. And all you're going to do is say, I've been given three different paths. This is the path that we're ch- taking. You're, you're just, instead of people bickering for four hours about which path, you're just going to finally put your foot down and go, this is where we're going. And it's not like, you know, like you're being, you know, like the boss. You're just, you know, people have proposed their ideas. You're now choosing one. And this is the way that, you know, we're going to go straight. Okay, cool. Also coming back to uh, an- another hobby that we kind of share is poker. And one of the things that I often say at the poker table is you made the right choice with the information you had. Exactly. Just because you make a choice and it turns out to be wrong later because of things you could not have known doesn't mean the choice that you made was the wrong choice. Right, yeah. You can only make a decision out of the information that you have in front of you. You don't know what you don't know. Uh, no, I, I I definitely like the idea of changing up those roles. Um, you know, you're going to have your natural leaders and your natural followers when you run games. You're going to have people who maybe uh, come to their conclusions a little sooner. A lot of times it's going to be more experienced gamers. Other times it might just be people who are natural leaders. Yeah, I was going to say, like, the two most common people that step up as leaders in games are either experienced players, so they've been there, they've done that, so they know what to do, quote-unquote, and your people, if you're a natural leader in life, you're going to be a natural leader in game. Yeah. Unless you consciously step back from it. Exactly. I would like to add in a third option. The guy who always plays the healer. Because in general, if you're playing the healer, you need to have a big party or a big picture view of everything. You need to be already thinking about what everybody is doing, how it all works together. Yeah. And that the healers often wind up being a guiding role. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, in my personal experience, I don't see that. I always say that the healer is one of the best fit people to be one of the leaders, but in my experience, I don't always see that. Actually, that, So if you've actually witnessed that, that's cool. <laughs> that, that, uh, that dwarf that I'd mentioned earlier, I was he was the party leader. Yeah. Uh, which actually ended up being bad because it was a lot of, uh, well, not not for that game. Um, he was a very grumpy dwarf, though, so he wasn't <laughs> the best leader, but he he led the group. But then for the group itself, when we switched to a different game, I made one of the worst characters to be followed. Now, I mean, he was he was a a, a human ranger, and that wasn't the the bar the bad part. But when I rolled stats i got a seven and i said you know what i'm gonna play the dumbass so i put the seven in his intelligence and i made a lot of stupid decisions but unfortunately the game 
the way the the group had been running for so long was kind of follow what Ed's doing. So they were almost naturally sort of following what I was doing, and I was being a dumbass on purpose. Sometimes yeah. I would do it for fun, but then sometimes I would just make a bad decision on purpose. And, and, and then that sort of, I, th I think that sort of uh, it has affected that. I think as a GM, you have to be aware of that. If, if, if someone has that character, you know, you might want to go to another one of your experienced players and say, hey, you know, your character doesn't have that negative and is in a position to help lead. You maybe you should, maybe you should do that. You know that sort of thing uh, to try to get you know more stability in the group because it actually did end up. Yeah, I, I definitely think the the DM should step up in that sort of position and say, like, since you guys haven't naturally on your own come to the conclusion of who a better leader is, and you guys are used to Ed being the leader as a player, which again the whole point of this you know topic is switching it up so yeah. normally you might be the leader but in this situation you not only shouldn't be but really can't be the leader right. you know the dm you know again if the, the party can't come to the conclusion on their own the dm should again step to the, you know talk to find who the a good leader could be or a couple of different people and talk to them like hey yeah. just uh, so you just so you're aware ed's ed's not in a position for his character to be the leader are you interested in doing this and it's also why changing it up can be so important so they don't right. get stuck in those roles, right. stuck in that mindset of, oh, we need to follow Ed, even though Ed's playing an idiot. Mm -hmm. right. You know, it becomes, okay, instead of following Ed, we need to follow the person who's the best leader, and any one of us could lead because we've all had practice. Right, exactly. Yeah, if you do the same thing over and over again, you're just falling into the rut, you're falling into the habit. Um, so again, yeah, by mixing it up, you're actually taking the moment to, okay, it's a new game, time to reassess the situation, reevaluate what's going on, who's going to be the leader. And there's, there are other roles that the same general idea falls into. Um, if you're playing theater of the mind, you may want to have a cartographer who's jotting down notes and making maps so that you can keep track of where you are. If you don't have those detailed maps provided to you by the DM, for anyone who might not have heard of the phrase before, what Jerry means by theater of their mind is you're not really using a physical representation. You're just playing, and everyone's sort of playing in their head with the GM providing that description. So that's what he's saying is there wouldn't be a map that you're you'd have out there, but maybe having someone as having a player, someone just jot it down. So okay, yeah. we need to leave the dungeon. Okay, which way are you going? Uh, does anybody remember how to get out? Right. Yeah. You can also have a, a party scribe. Um, I know in a lot of the games I run or play in, we'll have just a, a piece of paper that'll be like communal loot. Usually it's there's a bag of holding assigned to be this paper is what's in the bag of holding. And stuff that somebody isn't, that we find that somebody's not like, oh, I need that right now, winds up going in the bag. Right. And then we're just keeping track of all that. And then when we get back to town, figure out what to do with it. Clearly your big burly two-handed two -handed weapon fighter is going to get the plus two greatsword. That's clearly what they're going to get. Only until that plus three dagger shows up. Oh, of course. Because <laughs> three is greater than two. <laughs> and 2d6 is greater than 1d4. <laughs> and <laughs> yes, you pointed out the joke. Very good. <laughs> and then uh, we also, we've talked a number of times about recaps. Yes. Yeah. Mixing up who does the recap, you may find something. We actually started with... Um, we started doing the recaps because I used to do them as a GM and I did that in some of the campaigns and then we switched I th and the GM that took over 
liked the idea but didn't really want to do them himself. So one of the players volunteered. Right. Um, and then we had a couple of different people doing recaps through different campaigns. Some people were better than others, but some people tried it and like, oh yeah, what I do, really like doing this. And what do you got to look at me like that for? I actually was not thinking of you. Yeah, I know okay. I know you did the recap for the game that I ran, and I do appreciate that. Thank you. Um, not nearly as much as the players probably appreciate it, because I was able to keep track of what was going on. <laughs> uh, but getting different people to try that, you may find somebody who has a natural talent for it. See, even even with the, the three of us who have all of the, the this experience, you still have a GM saying, I had to read the recap to remember what was going on. That's pretty funny. Well, sometimes, <laughs> you know, if you're playing only, you know, like sometimes you're playing every other week and then you miss a week and the next thing you know, it's been like a month since you played last. You know, right. everyone needs a refresher every now and then. Which is why you want to change things up or share the load. That way nobody gets burnt out. All right. Okay. So that's about all the time we have. Uh, I was going to take, uh, uh, share the load here with Jerry and uh, do his little wrap up, but that's way too much information for me to not have written down. So Jerry, if you wouldn't mind changing things up and sharing the load with me, that would be great. All right. So if you have any comments or questions or feedback topics, you'd like to see comments on the show, feel free to get in touch with us. We are on Facebook. You can like comment and subscribe, check out our message boards, GameMasterStudio.ProBoards.com or we are on at Twitter at GMS Studios. And of course, well actually, do you want to do the last outro line? What's the last outro line? You never listen to me. And we will <laughs> no, see... No, I really don't. I tune out. <laughs> and we will see you next time that we are in the studio. <laughs>